Yo, what's good? This is Logan Murdoch. That's Raja Bell. This is he. We yeah. are the real ones. We are the real ones. We had a really fun show today talking about the NBA draft. We basically just made fun of Raja for 20 minutes because he cannot be on the Brooklyn Nets staff with all his friends. They all went to summer camp without him. Mother um, fumbles. <laughs> That's my new yeah. stuff, so I'm not cursing in front of the kids. Mother fumbles. Okay, whatever. Yeah. We you, you cursed a lot during the show. Um, <laughs> we talked about politics. We talked about politics today. It was, we did get into politics a, a little bit. It was a well-rounded uh, show. Well-rounded discussion, well-rounded, man. Yeah, yeah. Produced by my guy, Isaiah Blakely. You know, we got a little Shout guest out. producer here. Shout out to the vibes. You know what I'm saying? And the real special real ones, man. Tap in to the real ones podcast. Make sure you put it in the chat. Make sure put it that in the chat. Make sure you put it in the chat. <laughs> Tap in. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. What's good? Real ones. Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell. We got the rundown that we're putting in the chat. (laughs) What's popping, bro? How you doing, man? It's it's wild times out here. How you feeling? What's going on? What's what's Raja Bell's life going on? You want to know what's consuming me right now? If I could be, like, if I could just take a minute to... Keep it real, (laughs) real, son. Get this off my chest. Get it off your chest. I coach a high school basketball team. Like, I I run the basketball program at American Heritage Plantation. It's a a really um, prestigious school down here in South Florida. Great academically, great athletically across the board. And I've been tasked with trying to resurrect the basketball program. So this is year two for us. Um, And... It's going to be interesting because practice starts tonight and, you know, we, uh, I just don't know what to expect. Like I, I, I'm hoping some of these kids came back a year better for the experience they got last year, but having not had them because of COVID and stuff like that and not having the off season, I don't know what to expect dog. So I'm, I'm really like anxious slash nervous, um, slash excited to get in the gym tonight. Okay. So are you like the head coach 
the GM, the whatever, the athletic director? Are you? What is your role? Are you all of that? So you like I'm, Greg I'm, Popovich of this? I am not the athletic director. Um, okay. I am. I am the head coach slash general manager of the basketball team, and then I I am in charge of the the sub level teams. Um, okay. But I'm a good delegator. Let's just put it like that, right? Like okay. I'm not concerning myself with like micromanaging a JV coach, but I'm sub- I run that whole program. How, like, you said you're in the second year of a rebuild, yes. right? This is an NBA show. Let's, yeah. make NBA, let's make some NBA analogies. Right. What What is the team like? What are you, what is your role? How do you feel about going into this season? What yeah. is, what is, like, what's going on right now? So last year we were a, a, a young team full of probably rookies, right? Like we played a lot of sophomores last year that probably weren't ready to play in high school basketball games. And there was a culture problem from the last regime. Like, it just was. Like, we weren't tough. Like, people were putting stock in the wrong shit. Like, um, and so, you know, from from the start of year one to the end of year one, we made some strides. But coming into year two, Logan, like I said, that's, and if you would use an NBA analogy, like, you would you would take your, your um, you know, your postseason, like, your, 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 your team would get together in the summertime and really work on those things together. Um, you would show back up a month before camp and really start getting these cats indoctrinated into the way you want to play. And we just haven't been afforded that opportunity because of COVID and, and our gyms were shut down. So mm-hmm. we, we didn't have the opportunity to do that. And I'm scared that we've lost some of the shit that we gained last year. That's my concern. Are you, okay. I'm not going to get too deep into what I, what I saw before on the, on the pre-production of this, <laughs> but I did see, I know I've been around NBA locker rooms. I know I've seen GMs a lot in my day. Yeah. You look every bit as stressed as every GM I've ever seen. Yeah, that, that, what that's, is, are, are that's you fair. Sure? How, how, how are you feeling? Are you is are your is your blood pressure high? Do you have to get on the Peloton a little bit, or just to like relieve like whatever eye you got? Are you what's going on? Are yeah, you I'm okay. Gonna, I'm gonna take a jog. I'm good. I'm gonna take a jog uh, later to try to get some of that out. Um, I what happens at that school is you get um. Everybody wants to try out because there are no sub-levels this year. So this was my frustration. This is this is what you saw. I have a, a bunch of kids that would have played like ninth grade last year, our freshman team or our JV mm-hmm. team, all wanting to play varsity and because yeah. there's no JV this year. I can't accommodate all of them. but And I don't really know their games because I haven't seen them play in a long time. So I can't just have 40 mofos show up in a gym all trying to play varsity basketball i can't get nothing done i got two weeks to get us ready to play a game you know so my mm-hmm. frustration is that the the mom or the dad that reaches out wanting to know if their kid can come out and he's played like one year of 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 rec basketball and i you know what i mean like that's that's that trying to navigate that is frustrating for me but overall i'm excited because you know hopefully all of our sophomores that are now juniors are a year better and and they fall back into the competitive level that that we try to you know, encourage. And then we're, you know, we're off and running. We don't have to spend the same amount of time just getting them up to competitive level. We could start really working on what we want to work on. For you as a coach, and I've talked to a lot of coaches who, um, you know, have done it in the league and things like that. And you know, one that really comes to mind is Steve Kerr. I've asked him one time about, does it help that you, you being a role player, does that help you as a coach considering that like you weren't as good as uh, you, I, I'm just be real, just be real. You were not as good as Steve Nash. What? Sorry. You, you were not as good as Kobe Bryant. Bro, come on, bro. You were not as good as LeBron James. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just You don't need to say that. 
Right. But do you think that helps you when you when you do coach kids? Like, do you have like a do you have a little bit more empathy because uh, you are you you've been there? You weren't the best. You had to work harder than you know to get where you were than a lot of people. Um, I don't think that necessarily makes me a better coach. I think I think that it can give you a perspective that like maybe Kobe couldn't have because of who he was all the time, right? Like being as great as he was, like you wouldn't know what it felt like to be the the, the 12th man on the team and, and have to carve out a role for yourself by doing a job that someone else didn't want to do. Like that was my existence in the NBA, right? Like coming in, I wasn't even a 12th man on Philly. I was like the 15th and I had to figure out like, what the fuck can I do to get on the court? And and so, like, I have an appreciation for that. I, I think any level of player could be a good coach, but I certainly would have a a um, an ability to see things through the eyes of a, of, of of people that that maybe a Kobe or or an MJ or or a, you know someone like that could, couldn't see it through. I think Steve Another, can though. We've had that conversation because Nash, yeah, yeah. you know, he 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 wasn't. Great. He wasn't right the away. typical superstar. He wasn't out the gate like he's gonna be no. a star. Yeah, he had to he had to work that. Yeah. Um, another question I have for you. Are you preparing right now? Like, are you using this season just to prepare to get on the Brooklyn Nets staff? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we call a segue, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, sir. Um that's a good hey, look, it looks like a lot of fun, dog. And you were all in my text messages like the, Let's, real let's, let's paint the picture real quick. Let's let's paint the picture real real quick. Mm -hmm. So Mike D'Antoni has joined the staff. Yeah, Amari Stoudemire has joined the staff. Motherfuckers. Steve Nash is obviously the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. It's funny because there's a running joke in the chat. <laughs> I always put it every time there's Nets Nets stuff in the chat. I put it in the chat <laughs> to Raja. Like, yo, when are you when are you when are you gonna leave us? Like, what's gonna go? What's gonna happen? When are you gonna leave us? <laughs> and he always plays coy and huh, you guys are wild and stop. You know what I'm saying? It's Come like, on, you know man. I mean? Come on, out, dude. Man. What are you talking about? Nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Ha ha ha. Or 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 he'll send the one like crying laughing emoji, like just the one. That's my where it's like that's like, ha, y'all crazy, right? Like that's without saying anything. Without like, saying anything. <laughs> but it reminds me of the old school, like Kendrick Perkins Instagrams where like when they were in Oklahoma city, where like there would be outings with the Oklahoma city thunder and they would take pictures and perk wouldn't be there. And perk would be like, man, go left big perk out of it. Why y'all leave big perk. All right. All right. All right. For sure. I'm going to check y'all later next time. You know, it's all right. Big perk going to be all right. 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 It seems like you're the big perk of this right now, of yeah. this scenario. How do you feel with all your partners? It feels like all your partners is going to summer camp and you, your ass is left out. I got left home, right? Like, How are you going to feel with all the... I know this is going to happen because, let's be real, Steve Nass is a jokester. That, that son's team's full of jokes. How are you going to feel the first FaceTime you get where it's just like, ha ha, Raja, you're not in the party. Ha ha. <laughs> I, I'm going to... I Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to front. I'm going to be salty. Like, that's... Uh, First of all, I would have loved to have worked with Steve. Like, and I told Steve that when we talked about the job, like it was, you know, if there was anybody that I was going to come back to the NBA and work in the NBA on that NBA grind with, mm -hmm. um, it would be Steve. Like, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have probably even entertained it. Um, 
anywhere else. Like the last time David Griffin reached out about maybe coming to New Orleans when he got the job, I just, it was a no because I knew I wasn't ready. But, you know, Steve's a different animal for me. And so let's just start it there. When you yeah, start adding Amari and, and Mike, like those are some of my favorite people on my favorite team that I ever played on. I'm sure they're going to have a blast. And so I will feel like I'm missing out. But like I told Steve and like I told you, like I just, my family is at a point where my oldest son's 13, dog. Like he's about to go into eighth grade and be playing, you know, JV football and basketball next year. And my my baby is 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 four and, you know, like she'll be going to kindergarten in a couple of years. Like I don't want to miss all of that shit, you know? And I'm, I, it's just sometimes in life you got to figure out, even though like that job holds a lot of prestige and it'd be great and fun for me, like would it, how much would I miss with my kids? And it 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 was a no-brainer for me, man. Like I, I love Steve. I love the opportunity, but I couldn't commit to doing that right now. Yeah. And also, like, how much is because you've been, you know the grind of assistant, not to say you've done that, but you do because you've been in a front office. Mm-hmm. How much did COVID does COVID play a role in that, right? Like huge, bro. Because like, you know, I was, I talked to Sean Marks about, you know, when we I, we went pretty far down the path. Like you and I haven't really like gotten fully into that, but like Let's get to the shits. Yeah, like I, I, I was, I was really interested. Like my wife and I had talked and and kind of, you know, went through the pros and cons. And she's from the New York area, so that was always a destination that we wanted to get back to. I never got to play there, so, you know, we 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 saw value in that. Like if my two older kids, my my thirteen year old and my twelve year old, were able to be in the gym, um, like they were to some degree in Cleveland when they got to be around LeBron and Kyrie, and there's real value in that. If being yeah. in Brooklyn, but none of that was going to be possible with the COVID situation. Like there was no clarity on that. And then, you know, Marcy, who I love too, wasn't able to really tell me whether this was going to be another bubble situation. Like they mm-hmm. talked about having mini bubbles. Which or, is fair. You don't know yet. You, you don't, don't know. know. Like you, yeah. my kids, they might not even be fans in the, in the gym. So like they might not even have been able to come to games. So when I had to, when I had to factor in all that uncertainty, dog, like, again, it was just like, like the timing of this shit just don't work. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I understand that it, it completely. Um, just knowing the situation and I don't, and I, I, I get what you're saying, man. It is a grind if, especially if, if it's just you, especially during informative years when it's just you and your kids are, you know, where they need to be and right. you can't bring them up. Um, let's talk about the, I, I do want to talk about, uh, specifically Mike D'Antoni on this staff. Yeah. Because we know how great Mike has been in as a coach. Do we think that because he's been an associate head coach before, he's been one of those number two guys in charge. He did that with Philly. Do you think this is one of those things where he's trying to get back as a head coach, or is this one of those things where it's like an Alvin Gentry role when he was with the Warriors, just to? And I know Alvin became a coach later, but is this to like guide Steve into the next one? Do you think Mike will come back as a coach, or do you think that this is something to guide Steve in the right direction and go off into the sunset that way? Uh, no, I, I think like in my heart of hearts, I think it checks a couple boxes for Mike. Like, I don't know, um, how many jobs that were available really appealed to Mike at this point, like after Philly, you know, went to doc and stuff like that. And Mike, I I don't, Mike's not the guy that's going to just hop into a, a not ready to win situation. Like he's just not at that point in his career as a coach in my, this is just me looking from the outside, uh, so I, I, in the absence of having a really good head job available, um, I think Brooklyn presents a real opportunity to win, like, next year. Um, 
And his input as that kind of associate number two coach will be probably more important to Steve than it would be to a lot of other coaches who are already, you know, established heads. Steve is really going to need, and we've had these conversations, um, people around him who know the ins and outs, that, that understand um, what's going on, and that can teach him, um, you know, while he's trying to, to learn the ropes. And so Mike's input is going to be more valuable there than it would in any other place in that particular role. And so when you win and, and your input is valuable and everything goes well, and we're assuming that it all goes well, I fully expect Mike, you know, once, once Steve has his legs under him and they've done well enough there to, to have another opportunity with a good team. And that job's got to pop up for Mike to hop back into the head seat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I, I think that, um, and I think leading into that question, what do you think about just how do you put a staff together for a young coach, right? Especially a coach right. that hasn't, do, hasn't done, hasn't coached ever on a head coaching level. I know the only thing that I have as frame of reference is Steve Kerr. And I know when he got hired in 2014 with the, with the Warriors, they put a veteran staff around him to mask a lot of the stuff that he just doesn't know, right? right. And that's no fault on Steve. He just doesn't know. So they put Alvin Gentry to, to, by his side. Mm -hmm. They put a Ron Adams by his side. Just really, um, you know, Alvin, you know, has head coaching experience. Great dude. Yep. Um, and Ron Adams, who's just a lifer, who has just been that guy. And they've continued to do that. You know, like right now, that guy right now is Mike Brown. Um, right. Who is has head coaching experience, but can also be an associate head coach. Why is that so important for a first-time coach? Well, um, because you don't really know what you're doing until you start doing it. Like, you have a philosophy of how you would do something, um, you know, and philosophically how you would approach certain situations. But until, you know, until you get in there, like, you, ne you haven't done it, and you don't know what surprises are going to pop up and kind of derail. Um, it's a distracting job. Like, coaching in and of itself is a distracting. It's distracting. There's a lot of shit going on. Um, you you have a full grasp of everything that, that you want to be done on a court. And then mm -hmm. it could be a refereeing situation, right? I say refs because it's always my thing. But you get yeah. engaged with the ref on some bullshit. And before you know it, you've lost account of all the other shit that you're supposed to be, you know, keeping mm -hmm. an eye on, right? And you've yeah. lost control of the game. So, you know, that's just inexperience. And you've never really coached, so you, you, you don't have the experience. So having people around you that can either get you back where you need to be um, or explain to you, like, the pitfalls of, of engaging with a ref and losing sight of the game that's going on or, or even while you're losing sight of it, they're keeping a firm grasp of what's going on. So when you check back in, they're like, yo, yo Steve, this is, you know, here's where we are. This is what, you know, any number of things can happen to a first-time coach because of inexperience. And so having those dudes that are around um, are, are critical. And I haven't even touched on, like, just, you know, practice planning and yeah. uh, the the details that, that go around that. Like I've sat here, you know, all morning texting with my assistant coach on my high school team, putting together a practice plan and figuring out like how we can teach, you know, concepts and then get into something competitive and keep it yeah. to where you're not losing a team's interest. Like that's a talent. It's a skill. And you learn that having coached teams and having missed the mark and, and said, yeah. God, they tuned me the fuck out, you know? And so Steve doesn't have that. Mike does. Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn's still there, right? Yeah, Jacques, yeah. Jacques, Jacques, Jacques Vaughn there. is going to be critical. Like, those guys are going to be, like, integral to Steve's success. 
Yeah, I know. It, in a lot of ways, they have like three head coaches. You know, you have Steve, then you have Mike D'Antoni, um, Jack Vaughn. I think the biggest thing is just to um, make sure you delve out that responsibility and then make sure that you're a team. It's like the coaching staff is like a team in a lot of ways. You have to oh, no um, make sure that, you know, D'Antoni, I think he's a great hire because he's not going to step on Steve, Steve Nash's toes, right? Like there's a full stop, like I am who I am and I can just give this expertise, right? So I think that that's a a really good thing. And you said something about how um, you need assistant coaches that have experience for things like practice planning and when you're yelling at a ref and just making sure that every all your bases are covered. Um, I never really I, – I thought about that, but I never really thought about that. And one thing that did come to mind when you said that was a time when in the Cleveland Cavaliers, when David Blatt, his first year, and he put Ty Lue on that, obviously it was a lot more polarizing because LeBron James was on the team. But one of the instances is when um, Ty Lue had to tell uh, Blatt about the timeout situation, right. right? I think in the moment, that was a lot more polarizing than I think that it needed to be because of LeBron and stuff like that. But when you layer it back, you think about, okay, David Blatt has been coaching in EuroLeague for much of his career, it's a totally different beast. Of of course, you have someone saying, "Hey, this is the timeout situation." That happens all the time. Like, it's your you it's your war- job. It's your job. Yeah. If you You're- if you go to a Warriors game right now, you'll see Mike Brown tapping. Yo, Steve. Yo, Steve. You got this. Is, such and such is ready. Absolutely. You need to sub them in. Yo. Absolutely. Such and such. You got this many timeouts. Such and such has this many fouls. Like, just so you know, that's a that's not. When you were in that Cleveland situation, did you feel everything was a lot more polarized for a, just relatively mundane things, more polarized than it needed to be? 100%. <clears throat> it, was, it was, you know, what comes along with A, a LeBron um, and then, you know, the, 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 the trio that we had with Kevin Love and, and Kyrie. And then, you know, the David Blatt hire was polarizing in and of itself. Like that, you know, there were a lot of people screaming like there were there were candidates here that were deserving of it. And David Blatt's proven nothing. You know what I mean? So like the whole situation was like that, but to your point, a lot of the things that that took place that got media coverage with that team, the year I was there were things that happen on every staff. Like Logan's job on my staff in game is going to be to keep track of the timeouts and keep me abreast of like where we are. To get towels, to to get towels and say, (laughs) but, but no, like someone's, someone else's job on that staff is going to be to keep track of like, you know, how successful, you know, our, um, you know, auto was like, you know, autos are our secondary. Like you tell me how, how many, like we've run auto eight times. Like what percentage is that working at? Like a head coach can't keep track of all of that shit. Like you're watching the game. You got to feel for it. You do what you do, but that's why you have assistance to, t- to take care of some of that stuff. So yeah, that was blown out of proportion. Um, I, I think that Mike, and Steve, the good thing about Mike and Steve too is neither one of those dudes is like a my way or the or the highway type of guy. Like they worked great together in Phoenix, and and they'll work great again together because there's a flexibility with both of them, and there's an understanding with both of them that just because I do it this way, that doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you think that like would um because when Blatt was hired, he uh he was hired right before LeBron came, right? Yeah, like, he did. Right. Yes. How yes. much did, like, I I want to get back to the Brooklyn stuff, but I, I do want to hammer this home. How much did you, like, did you guys know or did not know that LeBron was coming? Because I feel like when Blatt was hired, 
he was hired for like a rebuild thing. This is how we're going to do things. And then you put LeBron James in. How Paint the picture of how su- maybe surprised you are or how much not in the loop you guys were during that time. I was I was not in the loop. So what th- that year around the draft, when I was watching the draft. I was working for Fox Sports at the time, so I was in L.A. Um, okay. Griff <laughs> Griff had started asking me if I would come. He had got the job, and I was just kind of consulting. Like I, I had gone up to Cleveland, watched Mike Brown in a practice a couple times, watched the attitude of the team towards towards you know Mike, and they thought that they were going to have to move on from Mike. I had just confirmed that, like yeah, dog, it looks like they're tuned out on him. Um, so then they got the first pick in the draft. Um, and, and that was wild. Like I was congratulating. And then, you know, I, I was in the meetings with David Blatt prior to knowing anything about LeBron. I still wasn't hired or getting paid by them yet, but I was involved in the process. And so we were kind of split. Some people wanted Ty Lue. Some of us thought David Blatt was going to be a great hire for the situation that we had. When they got LeBron, I was one of the people that thought it would really be fine. I, I thought that it could work. Clearly, we had thought that David Blatt was going to be handed a team that that he could get from point A to point B. But now we're already at point B, and you got to win right now. the The problem was Logan, like the guy, the guys didn't really buy into David. Like they never really bought into the shit that he was talking about. One of David's best weapons defensively um, is a uh, is a matchup zone. Like, and you can you can do that in your in your league. And and real talk, you could probably do it in the NBA. It's not going to be as weaponized as it, it is, is it, but. When you start rolling that out to NBA guys, they're so conditioned to like be like, oh, this is some bullshit. Like he just was met with a lot of that. And it wasn't really fair to him. Ty did a great job. He won a championship. I'm not taking anything away from that. Like, I think if you had given David time with some buy-in from enough of the guys, I think he would have won a championship with that team too. Hmm. And to bring that all the way back to Brooklyn with uh, with all your partners that you're not going to be a part of and you're not <laughs> part of that staff. Um <laughs> But to bring that back around, you have two superstars like Kyrie and like um, Kevin Durant. What do you have to do? T- and I know, you know, we, you know, I just talking to people, they're bought in. You know what I mean? Yep. As of right now, they're saying all the right things. Kevin's saying all the right things. Um, so how do you get them to actually buy in? One thing to say it and be about it, but it's another thing to get superstar players who – have way more leverage than you do. How do you get them to buy in? That, that's a good question, man. And ever, I think every superstar is a little bit different in their personality. Um, but Logan, I would say that for the most part, um, you you keep it a buck with guys. Like you 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 let you're authentic with them. You let them know who you are. The conversation we had prior to coming on the show about like learning how to navigate being in a private school versus like you know, you know, being in a different environment to playing sports and trying to mm-hmm. figure out who you were. But the reality is you just be who you are. You know right. what I mean? Like you just be who you are. You're that guy every day. You, you can't be afraid to hold people accountable. Um, you know, stars don't want to be like browbeat and, and stuff like that, but you have to be able to hold them accountable when they fuck up. Otherwise they don't respect you and they walk all over you. So you got to be able to have that backbone and do that. And then I think, real talk you 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 try to develop a real family environment like with with values that the family is going to put stock in um and and a culture that we're how we're going to conduct ourselves and you you try to live that every day with them you know and then the flexibility i think is the last part of that like being able as steve nash or any other coach to have kevin durant or 
Kyrie come to you and say, hey, look, Steve, that shit is cool, but this is the way I see it. Like, can we try it like that? Yeah. And and the good ones can. Like, if it, if we try that shit and it don't work, then we're going back to my shit. But I'm not going to just shoot you down because I think yeah. my way is the only way to do it. And you get buy-in from people like that because you're in it together. Yeah, I think that's, that's not even just basketball. I think that's in everyday life, right? Like, it's there's a lot more nuance than when being a boss. You know yep. what I mean? And uh, it was funny when... I do want to get back to this when uh, Kyrie said, I don't really see us having a head coach. Yeah. Th- I, I think it, that, I don't know. I think it might've gotten put, put out of proportion. It might've gotten, but. Well, I don't know. <clears throat> here's I, Steve's probably fine. Like I, I think, you know, okay. I, I don't All think right. Steve's tripping off of that, but yeah. well, my thing to Kyrie would be like, listen, man, I'm, is it necessary? Like, do you know what Got I'm it. saying? Like there's some things that just aren't necessary. Like, don't have to be a huge deal like this time. I don't think it's a huge deal, by the no, way. I don't, don't think it's a huge deal. Don't have to be a huge deal, but probably, I I would hope that by now, like Kyrie's learned that some of it's just not for everybody. Like you don't you don't need to say some things that could cause something to be made out of nothing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I say that a talk- lot. Do you know what I'm saying? I, how many times have I said that today? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm yeah. saying? You feel mm-hmm. me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I got you. I have filler words too. It's, it's, what is it? It's, I want to go back to this. I was thinking about this. This yeah. was on my mind. It's <laughs> all good, okay. bro. It's, right. it's, it's all good, man. We need, we need uh, a jar, dog. Like a, uh, you know what I'm saying? Jar. And you can have a, I want to go like back to this jar. Like a swear jar? Yes. Like a swear jar. Do we just put it to charity? Yeah. I don't but, know, man. Put that to charity. We or, do- or put it to me buying like some European players that come over and play on my, um, my, um, <laughs> <laughs> some pieces. Some pieces. Can maybe I buy not. some pieces? Illegal, some kind of way. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> no, that's uh, jokes. That's all jokes. That's, that's all jokes. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't know, man. We got a nice fan base on the ringer. They're gonna hold us to that shit. Right. What happened to the? Cha- what's wrong with the charity jar? Where are you putting the charity at? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh it's wow this has gone off the rails We're no, off the but rails. i think that, <laughs> but no i do think that like we don't realize how much like words mean like it's like i could say something that i say to you all the time like hey man fuck you roger you know what i'm saying but if i say <laughs> right. that to like you know if i say that in like in a column or something like that if i say that in you know what i mean if i say that in an interview when it take it gets taken out of context right context then that is everything. fuck you raja yeah. is gonna be a full news cycle right yep. Yep. but i'm just talking to my homie like fuck you man why would you say so that's you know what i mean i'm laughing with you right, right. so i i do i have seen that um in general like i have seen that part uh so i, I do agree with you on that this episode is supported by state farm man I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. I do want to... It's a little. It's it's draft time. I'm not sure if you're aware, Raj. It's it's draft time. I am. I saw. I saw a workout the other night. Um, mm. like I, I'm not that. I'm not that guy that's all tuned into the draft, Logan. But I actually like 
recorded the workout. It was the freshman from uh, from Kentucky and and then the kid from Georgia, right? Like they had a uh, yeah 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 yeah. LeBron was there. LeBron, LeBron was there. there. Yeah, like it, Anthony it was, Davis was there. It was interesting. It was really interesting. I think we should we should um we should televise a lot more of these workouts, man. Like I, I think it's just really cool to see. Just have something to watch. I think that'll be dope. Just I, to do that. I I agree. And the pro the whole the whole um the whole process of what you're doing in a pre-draft workout is is pretty cool to watch too. Like I I got to witness a few of those, you know, when I was in Cleveland, and it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty cool experience watching those. How, how nerve wracking was your pre-draft experience? Uh, mine mine wasn't nerve wracking. No, I had one workout. Who was your workout with? The Atlanta Hawks. Like one workout. Um, I didn't go to Portsmouth or Chicago or. Did you think you were going to the league? Like, did you? I didn't know. I was. I was so dumb. I was like, I. I mean, it was another day I could play basketball, right? Like, so it was almost like I'm going up. I'm going to. Let's go play pickup in Atlanta. Um, but I don't Atlanta. Great city. Great city. Um, yeah. Shout out to. Pete Babcock, who was the only person who believed that I even deserved to be in an NBA like pre-draft workout, so he was like my biggest supporter. I appreciate that. It made um, it made my world. And I've said that to Pete. I got to work with Pete in Cleveland, and I had a tear in my eye when I was talking to him because I said, "Hey, you made my life, bro. Like you giving me one opportunity to come to a pre-draft literally made my life. So I want to thank you for you know for seeing something in me. But I only had one, and I wasn't nervous because. I had absolutely nothing to lose. Like it was, I didn't think I was going to play in the NBA anyway, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I, but when you got done with the workout, were you like, Oh, well, I guess I'm going to do this or I'm going to go. I don't know. Like I'm going to use my, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go overseas. If this is fuck it. I don't know. Like what was the contingency plan? You only had one workout. I only had one workout. The plan... Like I'm going to keep the Jersey. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep what I'm rocking. Like yeah. this, is, this is a cool little momentum. <laughs> Let me get all my gear. I want all of it. Um, yeah. So my agent, I chose my agent. It was, it was probably, you know, I mean, I mean, he kept it real. I kept it, I, I chose him because he kept it real. He came to me after my, my senior uh, tournament ended and he said, Hey man, there were a lot of guys, you know, playing in the tournament. I thought you were one of the better ones. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think you're an NBA player, but I think, I think you can make some money in Europe. I think we can make you help, help you make that happen. And I hadn't had a lot of interest from NBA teams. So I thought that was just a real one for, you know, for, it was a real one. So I said, I'm a, I'm a, I'll go with you. So was the he real one of the week when you signed with him? Yeah, absolutely. And so the plan was like to leave there, having a cool experience and then try to get a gig making, you know, pennies in Europe and then work my way up. But that workout had Chris Heron, um, Quincy Lewis from Minnesota and Melvin Levitt. And they call him the helicopter or whatever from Cincinnati. And so each one of those dudes checked a different box in terms of what what they did. Like Chris Heron was great with the ball, PG, tough, you know, dish it, score it. Quincy Lewis was kind of a long wing, could really shoot it and fill it up. And then Melvin Levitt was just, you know, freaky athletic. And Logan, I had a I had a day, bro. Like I shot the pill off of it. I mm. I I went 40 on the vert. Um mm. and I and I handled that shit like out of character for me. So it just was so a good you were real one of the week when during his workout. Oh, it was a I, I fucking put it down. Like they okay. I put it down. Yeah. Yeah. They drafted none of those dudes and told me they might take me with the last pick in the draft, even though they did not. Okay. I mean, your your career went all right. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. But, okay, so what I really want to get to is mm -hmm. so, like, the Warriors have been a, a big thing in this and where, and I'm not sure if you're aware of draft rumors. Uh, yeah, I try to stay out of the rumor mill. With the, get rid of the yeah, rumor mill. I don't want um, the rumor mill. 
there's been like a lot of like you know I think the Warriors are the most polarizing team in the top three because they have Steph and they have uh, Clay Draymond, but they also have a top they have a top five, three pick, mm-hmm. and so they're in a very unique state. What are the rumors? Just I, I just feel like every day there's a rumor about oh well they love Wiseman then they don't love Wiseman everybody's telling me they love Wiseman but I think they might like Anthony Edwards if he drops to them oh then there's a Sadiq Bay oh there's this other guy oh my god there's this other like we don't know who the I think the Warriors have done a great job of just throwing out bullshit throwing shit at the wall just throwing shit at the wall like I don't know if they're leaks per se but like they've just thrown a lot of stuff at the wall just like hey man okay yeah we're looking at this dude hey we really like this dude yeah, <laughs> hey, I just want to tell you, we really like this dude. Hey, don't repeat this. Don't repeat this. But we hey, like hey, this dude. Don't repeat this anywhere. I'm waking. Wink. Uh, uh, don't repeat this uh, anywhere. But I think that this guy is something that uh, we really like. We really that, like this guy. Listen, the the bullshit that takes place behind the scenes in NBA front offices, like the cloak and dagger shits, like you call it. Let's get to the shits. Let's the get to the and, shits. The cloak and dagger shits is like. It blew my mind. It, it blew my mind. And, and, and everyone, you know, knows who the, sh- the shitters are, right? So when you hear the rumor come out of said place, they're like, ah, that's some bullshit. Like, he's a shitter. Like, that, there's, no, yeah. there's no truth to that, you know? And, and so okay. it's really, really Do y'all uh, do revealing. that strategically, like, to throw us off the scent? Because there's, a, there's one story that I always talk about, that I always think about. It's how Jerry West got Kobe Bryant to Los Angeles in the 13th pick. Like, mm-hmm. he just threw so much shit to the, like, he was like, I think, and there was another thing, like, he doesn't, he'll, like, Jerry West would do shit like, that that guy's trash. Knowing that he would, like, want him right. just to, like, throw him off the scent, just to, like, because, you know, he's Jerry West, and Jerry West is probably the greatest GM of all time, but he would just fuck with people's minds and stuff like that, right? Yep. What was it, do you, was it, during your time in the front office, was there people that you would just be like, yeah, I'm just going to. Just, just throw this shit there. Let's just throw them off the scent real quick. Like, did, when did you guys know who you guys were going to pick versus, like, versus what? the shit you guys would give to us? Yes. So I didn't get to experience any, any, um, well, we, we drafted uh, Chetty Oshman the year I was there and we drafted Rakim uh, Christmas. And so what the process that we went through, Logan, we didn't have a high enough pick for us to be dealing in in that like throwing you off the scent type of whatnot we went through with our with our regional scouts and our whole brass and we sat in a war room for like three or four days and we just broke down everyone's list of ranked players right and we cross-referenced it and we agreed to disagree and then we come to a consensus and so you had a draft board with people just slotted and numbered so Mm -hmm. as people went off the board they went off your board and so when it comes time for your pick you're going with the dude who's left highest on your board at that point, right? So it takes the uncertainty out of it. Is that what um, it is? It's really the person that's highest on your board. So y'all don't really like, because there's always the cliche of like, yeah, man, he was, we didn't think he was going to drop to us. You know, he was higher on our board than we thought. Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, so f- for us, it was the highest person on our board because everybody else had kind of been off the board and, and Chetty was still on the board. There, there are certainly situations where like, you know, you're sitting there and you're number two guy, you're at like number eight and your number two guy is still sitting there. You're, you're, you're grabbing that up. Then there are other times where you're, you might draft, you know, 
for a situational need. Like I don't, I, I mean, but we weren't in that space. We were a really good team. So you were, you were just trying to find a piece that could, that could fit and grow with some talent. As a basketball player, when you're playing on a team, how much do you give a fuck about the draft? That's an interesting question. Like, I feel like you've been on both sides of that, where you're secure on one end, right? You got the deal. You got your bags. You're like, I don't care. I'm on vacation right now. I don't really care about none mm-hmm. of that. And then you're probably on the fringes. So give me both sides of that. When are you? When do you care versus when you don't necessarily care? So when, when uh, I was in Phoenix um, early in, in the state, I, I, didn't, I didn't really care. We, we, we were good. And then I started to see a pattern. Like they were drafting wing type two players like they got Orlando Tucker and you know they'd bring another guy and that that started to just concern me like you know you're a little you're not really salty because you understand the team but when you're you're drafting my position and you're drafting it like a couple years in a row you're like mm, that's not a great look you know um other places you know when you're going out as a free agent or some shit like that like it's not it's not a big it's not a big deal to me there was one situation in Utah though um, I was in my second year of, of a two-year deal in Utah, and I had a mm-hmm. g- good first year. Um, the year after John Stockton and Carl Malone had broken up. So we were, you know, it was Carlos Arroyo, myself, Carlos Boozer, Andre Kirilenko, Memo Accor. We had some talent. Um, mm-hmm. We came like a game short of the playoffs. And that offseason, they drafted Kirk Snyder. Mm. Kirk Snyder was a super athletic, bigger version of me. Um you know, could do a little bit more off the bounce. Um, and I, I wasn't offended, but I made it my fucking goal to to make him feel like he couldn't play in the NBA and try to just, I, that's who I was. Logan, practice, you were Logan, talking shit. I, w- I listen, my daily goal was to make make someone feel like they didn't deserve to be there at that point because I was a third-year player in the NBA, fourth-year player, hadn't been paid yet, was hoping to have another good season to turn that into a deal. So, like, I couldn't afford any young buck coming in there taking my, my fucking minutes. Like, my job is to just try to beat you. And that was, you know, that could y'all not really have been... Think, do y'all really think, like, hey, yo, man, he's taking away my kid's food. He's taking away his private school money. I can't, I can't, go, <laughs> I can't go out here taking food out of my mouth. I didn't have like no, the, I didn't have kids at the time, but I, I felt just like that. Like, yo, okay. this shit is, it's either him or me. Um, and it's going to be fucking me. If I have anything to do with it, if politics don't get involved, it's going to be me. And so mm-hmm. I spent my days and my practices trying to prove that point. But now, like, as I got older and I was back with the Jazz the second time, they drafted Gordon Hayward and Alec Burks. Like, yeah. two players that played my position. It wasn't the same thing for me. I was older. I had made my money. Like, I understood the team's needs to 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 have a future. So it, sure. was, it was different. Yeah. And so... uh Back then, so then you were like, "Yo, man, yo, Gordon, let me put my arm around you, bro. Let me show you the ropes." Yeah, I like. Alec, yeah. Let me show you the ropes, man. Yeah, those were my young bucks, man. Let me, I, let me take you. Let me take you to Vultures, man. Let me get you some food. <laughs> those were my young guys, man. Them, Jeremy Evans, uh, who won that dunk competition. Like, you know, you you have a different perspective when you're when you're that vet. Like, I was a I was an OG and at the time, you know what I mean. Like, they were, mm-hmm. you know, they were they were my guys, bro. Okay. Okay. It's interesting perspective, especially during during a draft, man. Like it's it's a it's a new player, but it, it's still it's still a job, right? They they somebody's getting drafted to replace you. To right? replace you, yeah. And so, you know, you from Miami, like fuck that. Uh. Uh, 
This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This next topic, I do want to feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about something like this considering there's election day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was reading on the Ringer... Um, John Gonzalez's piece. He has a very, very great piece about political donations from owners. You guys should check that out. Really, really great read. Um, he talks about um, how obviously the reckoning that the NBA has has had over this summer um, in terms of how they, uh, you know, donate to the black community. Um, you know, the, the Board of Governors uh, pledged 30 million over 10 years toward economic empowerment in the black community. Um, Michael Jordan and Jordan brand, Michael Jordan, who's an owner with the uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets promised another hundred mil um, to organizations dedicated to ensuring racial equality, social justice and greater access to education. Um, You know, uh, goes down the list. um, You know, these um, entities and these owners have said outwardly, you know, Black Lives Matter and all these things like that. But historically speaking, their pocketbooks have not said that. Have, mm-hmm. They have not gone that way. You know, they have um, put their money uh, towards causes that don't necessarily help us out. Right. And have right. voted for candidates that don't necessarily help us out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm really um, responsible with this. But I think right now it's not as easy for them now to do that because politics is so polarizing now. Right. Um, I think that um, league owners, they don't necessarily take into account Black Lives Matter when they're trying to get this tax break right. for their business, right? right? But as a player, Raja, obviously you ain't, you wasn't making 50 mil a year growing up. How, did it, how does it feel, how would it feel for a player where you're like, I have these interests, I'm black, these are the things that are in my community that are not getting... Um, they're not getting enough attention paid to it, but you are actively, you're saying one thing, but you are obviously taking care of your interests and you're not necessarily helping my cause. And you're in fact supporting whether you feel like you're supporting an establishment that doesn't work for me. And you're not, and you're not really established. You're not really helping me out, but you say like, Hey, Roger, if you need anything, if you need anything, I got you. How does that feel when an owner doesn't necessarily align with your beliefs? Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Look, 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 we, we all have to agree, right? So I've always respected 
people's, you know, opinion as it pertains to like pol- political um, agendas and policy and all of that. Having said that, um, there's not room in the world for certain things, right? And and right. and we have to be able to agree on that shit if we want to be the type of country that 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 we set out to be and we profess that we are and that we and in a lot of people's opinions still have room to go in getting there. Um, as far as ownership goes, players aren't going to be able to ultimately change who they check the box for. You can't do that. Like, and you know that as a player, right? Mm-hmm. What you can do is use the leverage that you have in certain situations. And I talk about this a lot to force their hand to commit to pony up for things that you think are important as the people that make up uh, the NBA, the talent in the NBA. Do you know what I'm saying? You have to hold their feet to the fire and make them continue to do that. It sucks, though, that that you would know in certain circumstances that it, that an owner is out there, you know, talking out of one side of his mouth and one side of his wallet because you've held his feet to the fire and then, you know, knowing that behind closed doors, he's out the other side of his wallet and the other side of his mouth um, because his feet aren't held to the hot, to the fire and he could do whatever he wants. Like, that sucks. But you don't control that shit. Like, you, you you can't ultimately control it unless, unless some of these brothers who have made the type of money that some of them are making now can figure out a way, like Grant Hill um, and, and the ownership group in Atlanta, to get to that point where we're owning, right? Yeah. Where we're owning. And, and then it starts to change. The, 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 it shifts the paradigm a little bit. But as long as you're a player, um, you know, you... You can stand up and use your platform. You can try to affect the change you can affect. When you have the leverage, you can try to hold their feet to the fire so they've got to support those causes. But you know at the end of the day, you can't make them do nothing, you know? Yeah, I, I do know that. And I, I can imagine it's frustrating. It's not, you know, we both know it's not as just easy as just, I, I'm, a, I'm black, so I'm going to own an NBA franchise. Like, it's not that easy. Right. You know, Grant, Grant Hill, there's a reason why there aren't enough owners of color, black owners, female owners, all of that, um, whatever pronoun you want to use, that there's a reason why they're not in that owner's chair. So it's, it's a bit more nuanced than that. Um, but yeah, like it's going to be, it, I, it is, it is hard to, I, I can imagine like you would want everybody in theory, you would want everybody's, um, at least on basic things when it comes to racism and, sure. and xenophobia and all these things, at least very, you know, we want to be respectful of all people, right? Like we at least want the bare minimum of that. So when you see these, um, owners and you see these executives saying, and these teams saying, hi, man, I really, you know, I, I'm with it. I'm we're with for, uh, racial justice and I'm we're for equality. And then on the, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm, I'm supporting this racist candidate, whether it's for a, uh, my beliefs are because of this tax break or not, that's disheartening, right? Like, that is disheartening. Absolutely. 100%. Um, you know, but again, again, like, you, you know, what, 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 what can you do in a situation like that? That's life. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's just what it is. So when you have the opportunity to, to use your leverage, your platform to, get the support that you need from them or make them pony up more than they otherwise would to support the causes that might not be near and dear to them, but are near and dear to you. You know, it's incumbent upon you to do that. Like you have to do that. That's the way, um, you know, you could take something or some solace out of a situation like that. Like this is my win in this. Cause you're not like the bottom line is Logan, like a lot of these dudes, I I, I don't know any owners, you know, to, to be racist or anything. I'm not saying that, but 
you know, you'd be naive to think that that some of them don't like. I mean, like, what, what are we? Ta- you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. like, what are, you, what are we talking about? I mean, so, clearly, we have an owner on record that was racist, right? Like the Clippers owner down the street was that clearly on record. Was clearly, right? fucking racist, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. out of the ones that own now, I don't know. I'm just saying it would be naive to think that they're all going to go in there just because you know Black Lives Now Matter and we had this movement that they're all going to go in there and 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 vote socially conscious, you know, socially consciously. I will, I if that's say, even a word. I will say it was a bit disheartening, and I know that they gave. Um, I know that they that the owners and that the league has given a lot of money and they're pledging a lot of money, not giving, they pledged a lot of money to all these initiatives. It was a little bit disheartening to hear Adam Silver say, well, you know, we're going to go back to status, like allude to going back to status quo in an interview with Rachel Nichols in the bubble. That was a bit disheartening to hear that because it's like, yo, man, the reason why all these players went up at, got a, got up in arms and in a fuss is because, yo, man, this has happened a lot of times where we've gone through shit. We've told you we've gone through shit. You guys, we've seen it in the 92 LA riots. We've seen it, um, you know, even home in Oakland where I'm from, uh, where there's these like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is important to us. Diversity is important to us. All this stuff is important to us. And then when that kind of dies down, they go back to the normal thing, normal status quo. I'm going to need the NBA to continue to do that. No, I'm you need, need that to you, do. To, you need the player. The, you need. I'm with you, but yeah, yeah. it's the play. The players have to keep the pressure on. See that what they're going to do is throw enough money at you, at the cause, at whatever, to get you to shut the fuck up, so you could go back to making money for them. Like that's what they're going to do, right? Like that's their answer yeah. to it. Like we give them enough, we make enough concessions, they'll shut up. We'll get back to business. But yeah. if you want something to change, you just have to be persistent, bro. You got to be on it. You can't let them slip. You can't let. Like the first time you see slippage in that regard as a players union or a whoever it is, you got to be on it. Like, ah, uh, nope, this is, uh, this is not, 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 this isn't what we talked about. And it's not what we're going to do. And if we start going down that path, here's what we're going to do. And that, and that's a fair point. I think because the the biggest thing that we do need to realize is like, especially in this election, we're voting for, there's a large segment of the population that's voting not for like, revolution or anything like that they're voting for a sense of normalcy so they don't have to watch the fucking news every day they don't have to watch they don't have to be so polarized to where they have to think about they don't want to think about black lives matter it's incumbent upon um black people and not even just i don't want to say just black people because it's not our fault that we're in racism and shit like that but it's incumbent upon us to like keep their feet to the fire no this is not over with we still okay you put black lives matter on the court for three months what else are you going to do to make sure that you are diverse? And not to say the diverse, the NBA is one of the diverse leagues that I've been around in terms of, you know, it's seeing women and seeing even when on the beat, on the Warriors beat, you know, you see people of color on that beat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what, what, you know, guys like Monty Poole and, um, you know, women um, and things like that and Marcus Thompson and things like that. But they need to hold the feet to the fire, man. And I'm hoping that this, 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 this happens. And I hope that, um, that there's a continued growth in this and that we're that people aren't satisfied with just what we have now. So um, I did want to get, make sure we had that conversation because, you know, the, make sure y'all vote. Um, you know, we got the election coming tomorrow and yeah, man, I think that's a perfect segment to go into real one of the week. Real one. We need some, we need a little theme music for like real we need a little theme music, bro. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Tap right. in with like one of your Miami artists, bro. I'm gonna see if we can get some, get some you know, there's a Bay artist, you know, <laughs> another one, real one, another one. real one. Yeah. I don't know, man. I know you got bread, but damn, I don't know. If, you know, can we, can we get DJ Khaled for five seconds? I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, know if we can afford Khaled for five seconds. I don't know seconds, if we can bro. afford the budget. Um, uh, 
Real one of the week, someone that exemplifies all the characteristics of a real one. Mm-hmm. Um, Me or you? You want to go? Go, go you first, go? man. Go first. Because I think mine, I got one, but I think mine is, is, is these a little bit more. Yours is a showstopper. All right. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. My real one of the week is one John Lester, um, okay. formerly of the Chicago Cubs. Um, okay. Help bring a championship to the cursed Cubs for the first time in I don't know how many years, but he was uh, the team or the club declined his $25 million option for the 2021 season. I would have been really pissed and a little salty about that. John Lester was very thankful for his time in Chicago. And so he said that at any of four bars around the city, he would pick up any patron's first Miller Lite. Um, the tab would be his and he would pick up okay. the bill so you could go to one of four bars your first miller light was on john lester as a thank you to the city for all of its support and as of like sunday morning he actually put money where the mouth was they had sold over 3400 miller lights um that were on his tab and he had racked up over a twenty-five thousand dollar bill john lester that's some real one of the week type shit my man someone someone is a beer drinker on this, i am so. a beer drinker Hey man, shout out, shout out. I don't drink Miller Lite though. Shout out Heineken for um, always uh, supporting the ringer um, and all the shows. Heineken, you you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, But my real one of the week is one LeBron James. Mm -hmm. Again, using his platform. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier in this show using our platform for change. He had Barack Obama on the shop this week. It's a really great conversation. Um, you guys should go check it out. But the biggest thing that I just seen from LeBron is, you know, he does the, he does more than a vote, getting people that look like you and me who are historically disenfranchised, getting them, finding them polling places and getting them in places where we can vote. Um, also having his, uh, I promise school and his, um, his foundation and, um, using his platform to get a guy like, get a guy like Barack Obama on his show to get the message out right before um, the election starts. So I just want to give a shout out to LeBron James for being a real one of the week, having, having Obama on his show and, um, you know, getting his voice out. That's how you use your voice. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, I think we all need to realize, you know, especially as, as black folks, we are all on the same team and we all have roles to play. And I think that um, LeBron is playing his roles. So my real one of the week is LeBron Ramon James. LeBron Ramon. That's that boy's middle name, Ramon? Yeah. That's what's up. I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the vibes, man. Hey, man, this is a fun, it's a fun little off-season edition of the Real Ones podcast. Yeah. We out here. Uh, make sure you check us out on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We have we have a nice little feed going on the Ringer NBA feed, Roger. We got the uh, we got group chat. We got two episodes this week of the mismatch, mm-hmm. just like every week. Go see. R2C2 podcast with Baleo Legend, Bay Legend, CC Sabathia, and Ryan Rucco. Make sure you just tap in Ringer NFL show all throughout the NFL season, man. We got some dope stuff for you. We might have a guest next next week. Ooh. We might have, we, you know what I'm saying? Mm. We might have guests coming in. Make sure you tap in, man. It's it's been a fun ride, dog. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's do this, man. Let's do this before before uh, Raja ultimately leaves us. So, um, <laughs> Brooklyn. Uh, no, I was just like, hello, Brecklin. All right. <laughs> Talk to y'all soon. Peace. <laughs>